All right, Matthew 26 this morning. Matthew 26, please. Do you love the Lord this morning? Amen. Lord, Lord, help us. Lord, help us to love you uh, truly and genuinely and more. That's a good prayer. Lord, help us. Lord, help us to love you truly and genuinely and more. Are you thankful for his love this morning? Praise God. Lord, thank you. Father, thank you so much for sending your only begotten son uh, to die in a place that, that I deserve. Lord, thank you. That's a great love. That's a great love. Uh, Matthew 26 this morning. Matthew 26. I want to ask you a question this morning before we begin. Um, did, you ever, did you ever come to a place where you recognized that you had had a bad heart about something or someone, and that bad heart led you to make a wrong decision, a wrong choice? You know what I mean? You know? Did you ever have what you thought was a right heart about something or someone, uh, but you ended up making the wrong choice or the wrong decision anyway? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Pastor, is there no answer? You're pointing to some problems here. Is there no answer? Uh, this morning, we'll see a man, Judas, who has wrong heart, clearly, and makes wrong choice. We'll see also this morning, uh, Peter, a man who thinks his heart is right, but does not allow his heart to be informed by the words of God and therefore still makes a wrong choice. You ever been there? You ever been there? Uh, I thought my heart was right, but I did not allow the Lord to inform my heart, to inform my thinking by his words. And because of that, I, I made a bad choice anyway. I'll remind us this morning, the Bible says the heart, uh, our hearts, uh, the heart is deceitful above all things and what? Desperately wicked. Pastor, are you going to discourage us this morning? No, we're going to encourage each other with, with important truth this morning. Uh, that's, that's important truth. The Bible says our hearts are desperately wicked, deceitful, deceitful, uh, and desperately wicked above all things. Now, Gary, I'm glad this morning that the Bible has an answer for that truth, that reality, it's the word of God, right? You, you pour the word of God into your heart and you allow the spirit of God, Marilyn, good morning, to act through his words as you get your eyes into scripture. Aren't you glad this morning for your Bible? Aren't you? Boy, thank you, Lord, for your words. Thank you for giving them and for preserving them uh, and for this excellent translation that we have. You, you get your eyes into the word of God and let the Holy Spirit start pushing those words down uh, into your heart. Brother, Art, it, it breaks up a hard heart and, and begins to inform your heart, right? And uh, if your heart is informed by the word of God, your, your thinking uh, is informed by heart that's informed by the word of God and your choices are now informed by the word of God. Do you always make the right choices? No, but you know what's right. And Gary, if we'll yield ourselves to the Lord and his will as revealed by his words, we find a strength to make the right choice if we choose to, amen? Lord, help us to choose to. Lord, help us to choose to. Uh, Matthew 26 this morning, uh, if you're visiting this morning, we're, we're making our way through the book of Matthew. We've been here quite a long time, but that's okay. Uh, we're making our way toward uh, the account of the resurrection. Uh, we're aiming to land there uh, on uh, Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, April 17th. Uh, that we're, we're charging toward that, that portion of scripture uh, for that special day. But this morning, Matthew, uh, Matthew 26, beginning... Uh, in verse 27. If, if you're able to, let's stand together and, and read this passage this morning, uh, if you're able to. Uh, Matthew 26, beginning in verse 47, we'll read down uh, through uh, verse 56, and then we'll stop and I'll pray. Uh, Matthew 26 this morning, beginning in verse 47, the Bible says, uh, while he yet spake, lo, so Jesus has just prayed in the garden, uh, he's, he's, he's prayed, while well, he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came, uh, and with him a great multitude, this is the arrest of Christ that will lead directly to the cross, uh, with swords and, and staves from the chief priests and elders of the people. Uh, now he that betrayed him, uh, Judas, betrayed Christ, uh, gave them a sign saying, whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he, 
hold him fast, arrest him, hold on to him. And forthwith, he came to Jesus, Judith came to Jesus and said, Hail, uh, Master, and kissed him. I won't come back and spend some time on that verse today, but see that again, Hail, Master, Judas says, uh, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, uh, wherefore art thou come? Why are you come? Uh, he knew, of course. Uh, Jesus knew. Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand. Uh, we know from the parallel accounts this is uh, Peter. Drew his sword and struck a servant of the high priest and smote off his ear. Bible's not boring, amen? Uh, then said Jesus unto him, put up again the sword, uh, put up again the sword, thy sword in his place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. There's a Bible principle for you. Uh, verse 53, Lord continues, thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father and he shall uh, presently give me more than 12 legions of angels? Of course he could have. Uh, but now then shall the scripture be fulfilled? Uh, but how then, forgive me, verse 54, but how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? In the same hour, verse 55, said Jesus to the multitudes, are you come out uh, as against a thief with swords and staves for to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple and you laid no hold on me, but all this was done, verse 56, but all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Didn't Jesus say they would do that? Didn't he say that they would be offended? He said that. Peter said, no, nah, not me, Lord. He prophesied that. Sure enough, Brother Art, what he said came to pass. He's the Lord. He knows. Uh, this morning, this morning, preach a message. I've titled it, A Traitor and a Defender. A traitor and a defender. Let's pray, please. Father, thank you so much. Lord, thank you so much, Father, for your words. This is a hard passage to read. It's a difficult passage to study. Uh, Lord, we, we know this morning that this is the path to the cross. This is the reason that Jesus came. Uh, Lord, according to your word, uh, this is the path to the cross. We thank you again this morning that you loved us that much to send us your only begotten son to die in the place that we deserve. Lord, thank you this morning for a savior who was willing to come and, and to stay the course all the way to the cross despite the fact that he knew exactly what would happen. Lord, I pray this morning that as we look at these uh, two men in, in this context, Judas first uh, and then Peter, uh, Lord, that you would uh, teach us this morning. Uh, Father, remind us about our hearts this morning. Lord, remind us this morning of the importance of steeping our hearts in your words, that we might have hearts and minds and actions that are informed by you through your words for your honor and for your glory. Lord, I pray that you help me this morning, work through me. Uh, Lord, I pray that you work in each heart here today. For your honor and your glory, we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Let's jump right back in, please. Why don't you see first this morning, uh, Judas. Uh, Judas, we know Judas is the one who uh, has already sold out the Lord. He's already betrayed him. Uh, we saw here earlier uh, in this chapter, uh, he went to the Jewish authorities and, and offered uh, to lead them to Christ for what was it? For, for what? 30 pieces of silver, money. He offers to sell out the Lord Jesus Christ, the prophesied Messiah, uh, the one who has been revealed to him as who came uh, and, and who would go to the cross to die in his place and uh, to be buried. Brother Art, that's the man that Judas sold out for 30 uh, pieces of silver. Why would he do that? Uh, why would he do that? Obviously, he had a wrong heart. Uh, his heart was set upon the wrong things. Uh, his heart is set on material uh, gain uh, rather than the God of that material, the, the, the one who provides his heart is on what he can get from the world rather than what he can get from the Lord. Uh, he, he doesn't know Christ, obviously, as his Savior. Uh, John 13, 
uh, records that Satan entered into Judas. We saw that last week, I believe. Uh, in John 17, uh, he's called son of perdition. And uh, as you may recall, uh, Paul uh, in the New Testament uses that phrase, son of perdition, as a reference to whom? Uh, to Satan. And so we know that Judas is a lost man. He's got a wrong heart. Uh, and the enemy is actively working in his life. Uh, by the way, do you think the Lord knew, Brother Ray? Did, did the Lord know ahead of time that the enemy would use Judas to sell out Judas, uh, to sell out Jesus, forgive me, that would lead to his arrest, that would lead to that mock trial, that would ultimately very quickly lead him to the cross. The Lord know that ahead of time. He knew that. And you know what? That's the Lord's plan to get Christ to the cross, right? The Lord knew that exactly. Uh, he allowed that. He, he knew that. He could have stopped that. Of course, Jesus says, hey, we'll see that eventually. He could have stopped any of that. But Brother Ray, this is the path uh, to the cross. We, we need a path to the cross if we're going to get to the resurrection on, on Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday. We praise God. Uh, this is hard to see. It's, it's upsetting. But this is why, uh, this is why the Lord came. Look back in verse 47, please. Well, yet spake, lo, Judas, uh, one of the 12, came with him, a great multitude uh, with swords and staves. Looks like they were expecting a fight uh, from the chief priests and elders uh, of the people. Uh, you don't have to turn there, but maybe make a note. Back in, in John 18, uh, as Peter is dealing with those Jewish authorities to whom he sold out the Lord for how much silver, Gary? Uh, 30 pieces, right? Uh, he, he said, listen, I, I, I know where the Lord goes, where, where this man, Jesus, I know where he goes. He goes to this certain place to pray. John 18 says, uh, verse 2, Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place for Jesus oft times resorted thither with his disciples. Uh, what, what did Jesus just do in this place where he's been arrested? What has he just done there? What's that P word? He just prayed, right? Uh, he, he prayed that great prayer that uh, revealed that there's no other way. He prayed, Father, if there's another way, right, let this cup pass from me. And so we know that there is no other way to, to be saved. Uh, we know, Gary, that uh, the Lord also just modeling the, the, just the critical necessity uh, and importance of prayer as you're anticipating a trial, right? And if you're saved this morning, Brother Art, you can just anticipate trials are coming, right? The Lord's working in them. We know that. But boy, we need to be prayed, prayed up. There we go. Prayed up in order to be prepared for the next trial. Lord, please help us to have hearts to pray, to be people of great prayer. Uh, Judas says, hey, Jesus goes there all the time. Uh, I know that's a place where he's just prayed. Evidently, he went there and he prayed there uh, all the time. We know the Lord Jesus during his earthly ministry was a man of great prayer. Lord, help us to have the same heart to be men and women and young people uh, of great prayer. Look at verse 48. Now, he that betrayed him, uh, Judas gave them a sign saying, whomsoever I shall kiss, uh, the same as he hold uh, him uh, fast course this is this is all in fulfillment of what we saw back in uh, verses 21 22 down down through 25 just look up there quickly let's let's do a quick review so right here in this same chapter look up to verse 21 uh, they're they're there having that last Passover meal that last Passover Seder right brother Ray before uh, before the cross this that became the the context for the Lord teaching the uh, of the Lord's Supper as they did eat verse 21 so same chapter verse 21 he said verily what's that mean truly uh, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me Jesus prophesied this they were exceeding sorrowful yeah they should be about that and and began every one of them to say unto him Lord is it I and he answered and said he that dippeth his hand with me in the dish the same uh, shall betray me uh, verse 24, what are the first four words in verse 24? Say them together, please. The son of man, Jesus, Jesus called himself that, goeth as it is written, 
uh, as it is written according to prophecy, uh, as it is written of him, but woe unto the man whom the Son of Man is betrayed. By whom? By whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It's been good for that man if he'd not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? He knew that it was him. Master, is it me? Uh, he, Jesus, said unto him, what did he say? Thou hast said, you've indicted yourself. You know, Judas, you know uh, what you've done and you know what you intend to do. Jesus knew and Judas knew. And so uh, Jesus prophesied that it would be Judas. And sure enough, this morning, just uh, several verses down the road from verses 21 through 25. Marilyn, sure enough, here comes Judas with the authorities uh, to betray Jesus into their hands. For how many pieces of silver, Gary? 30 pieces. How, how much do you suppose? I mean, that was not an, an insignificant amount of money, but that wouldn't be like life-changing uh, for him. Uh, he... Consider how little he valued Christ. Just stop and consider that for a moment. I mean, he put, he put a, a monetary value uh, on the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. He valued him that little. Just stop and think about that for a moment. How much do you value the Lord Jesus Christ? Stop and think about that for a second. How much do I really value Christ? Lord, help me to consider how precious my Savior is. Lord, help me, help me to really get my arms around how precious the blood is that was shed for me uh, upon the cross. You remember uh, recently we looked at how precious the prayers of God's people are to him. Uh, John, in, in John's revelation vision of heaven, he saw the prayers of God's people being stored in what? The golden vials. That's how precious his prayers, how valuable his prayers, forgive me, our prayers are, are to him. How precious uh, is the Lord to us? How much do we value him? Uh, brother, I have no trouble this morning uh, saying, claiming, asserting that our salvation is the most important thing that we have. Nothing else matters compared to the value uh, of our salvation. And if that's true, the Lord Jesus Christ who made that possible, that's the most valuable thing, the most valuable person in our lives. Lord, help us to value you and our salvation. Where would you be without him today? Where would you be without it? We'd be, Lord only knows. The Lord only knows. Probably not here. Uh, without him, I'd, I'd be on the road to a very real hell. I'm not today, amen? And if you know Christ as your Savior, you're not either. You have all the hope of, uh, that, that comes with eternal life, all the hope that comes with repenting of sin and receiving Christ by grace through faith and uh, the hope of heaven and the hope of resurrection. Praise God. Uh, Lord, thank you. Judas didn't value uh, the Lord very much. He, he, he sold him out for uh, for so little. Look at verse 49, please. I want you to see here in, in verse 45 the, uh, the kind of yieldedness and, and the kind of, it's false. It, it's feigned. There's a false yieldedness and a fake love that he puts on display toward the Lord. Look at verse 49. Forthwith he came to Jesus, it's Judas, and he says, hail. What's the next word? Master, you call someone master, what's that, what's that imply? You're the Lord, I'm not. <laughs> You're the master, I'm not. Uh, it implies a yieldedness to that person. Uh, that's, that's the literal idea. Uh, so he calls him master. Has he yielded to Christ? What do I say? No, -uh. no, he, he sold him out. And, and then he kisses him. That, that's a, normally would be considered a demonstration of what? How about love, right? I, I, I kiss my wife uh, because I love her. Amen. Brother Garcia, you, you kiss your wife? Amen. Because <laughs> you love her, right? You want to show her that you love her. Keep doing that. Uh, amen. Uh, it, it's a demonstration. Remember, biblical love is a doing love, right? It's not just the ooh, ooh, ah, ah. It's, it's a choice to do, to demonstrate uh, how, you, how you care for someone. You view them as precious, uh, Judas comes 
uh, pretending that he views the Lord as his master. He comes pretending uh, that, that he has a, a great love uh, for the Lord. I want you to just get a hold of this for a minute here. Uh, who is this? Judas. He, he's not a saved man, but he's pretending to be yielded to the Lord. He's pretending uh, to love the Lord. He, he's a lost man who is a uh, faker. You understand this morning that some who call Jesus their Lord don't really know him as their Lord. You understand that, right? Some, I mean, some, are, some just don't know, right? Some, some people just don't know uh, the genuine way of salvation. By the way, anyone who repents of sin and places their faith in Christ, the Christ of Scripture, are they saved? Are they forgiven? Anyone who will do that? Anyone, right? You repent of sin, place your faith in the genuine Christ of Scripture. I understand there's false definitions of Christ out there, but you find the biblical Christ and you put your faith in him, you're forgiven, you're saved, and there's nothing false or fake or pretend or artificial or, or counterfeit um, uh, about that. That, that. That's fact. We praise God for that. But here's a man who, who's, who's only been pretending, uh, who's only faking, uh, I wrote in my notes, Judas is a lost man, he called Jesus master. Some call Christ Lord or master, but haven't actually been saved. Uh, and some saved people call him Lord or master, but don't actually yield to him and, and therefore don't actually obey him. You understand that, right? There's some lost people who are just pretending. Uh, and then there's saved people. Listen, I don't believe you have to make Christ Lord or master to be saved. I think that's something that we, we grow into over time. There's some who argue something different. That's called lordship salvation. You have to exercise faith plus make him your master, your Lord. I don't think, I think that's setting the bar too high biblically for salvation. But if you've been saved... If, if you've been saved, you now have grace available from the Lord to yield to him, to, 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 to uh, truly make him your Lord, your master. And as you do that, there's more grace from him, right, to, to obey him, uh, to live according to his words. And we're majoring on that idea lately because uh, it's important. We will make sure we, we get a handle on that. I'm saved by grace through faith. Having done that, I find, I find strength from the Lord, grace from the Lord to yield to him, to make him my Lord. And as I do, I'm, I'm empowered by the Spirit of God who fills me, uh, which is different from, from the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God, evidently. And, and we find strength to obey. Um, some haven't done that. Some, some Christians have not yielded to Christ, and so there's no real strength uh, in our lives. Lord, help us. Lord, help us to search our hearts. You know our hearts. <laughs> you know our hearts are desperately wicked. Search our hearts and, and, and show us, have I yielded to you? Am I, am I yielding to you? Am I more yielded to you today than I was <laughs> yesterday, last week, last year? Lord, help me. Uh, to grow in, in yieldedness to you uh, as I do. Lord, help me to be able to genuinely call you Lord or Master. If you call him your Lord, you need to acknowledge that he's the Lord and we're not. Amen? Lord, search my heart. Show me. Give me a heart to pray. Lord, help me yield to you. Uh, if I'm struggling to do that. Um, what about our love for him? What about our love for him? Judas is pretending. He, he kisses him. It's a, it's a fake demonstration of love. It's a counterfeit uh, of the real thing. I understand that there's some in the world today who, who pretend to love the Lord, but they're not truly saved. They're, they're just pretending. They're, they're putting on a show. I understand that there's, there's believers also uh, who would say, Lord, if, uh, if, if I'm being honest, I, I struggle to love you uh, the way that I should. And, and listen, whenever we sing about the Lord's love or whenever we're preaching this topic, I get very convicted, Brother Art, because 
I don't think it's possible to love the Lord the way I really should, <laughs> this side of heaven. Uh, I, I pray, Lord, help me to love you the way that I should, because apart from him, and that's really what I meant, apart from his grace, apart from the fruit of the Holy Spirit working in my life, I know I can't love the Lord the way I should. I know as I yield to him and he works with me, I get closer to that, uh, and I pray and uh, thank God for that. Uh, to love the Lord is to what, uh, biblically? Zach, do you have a thought? Uh, to love the Lord is, is to do what, biblically? Jesus associated loving him with what? Yeah. what? Was it? Obedience to him. What did you say? Serving. Serving him, someone else said? Submitting, Submitting to him, right? And uh, the, these, these things fit together. Uh, a fake yieldedness is a, is a fake love. A fake love is a fake yieldedness. I mean, what Judas is putting out here, it's all fake and, and it's all related. But for us who know Christ as Savior, it's not the counterfeit that's available to us. We can genuinely yield to the Lord because we've been generally saved. We have the Spirit of God. And, and as we do, we find grace to submit, to obey, to serve, to yield, to obey him. It's, it's because of him that we're able to do that. Um, 1 John 5 and verse 3, you can go there if you want, but I just want to quickly read one verse, make a note of the reference maybe. 1 John 5, 3, the Bible says this, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. John says, he gives, he's recorded the words of God from the Spirit of God given to him to write down. He says, to love the Lord is to keep his commandments, which is to what? To obey his words. Uh, Lord, help me to exercise that kind of love. Remember, biblical love is doing love, right? It's not just, ooh, ooh, ah, ah, right, brother, I love the Lord. Lord, thank you, I love you. That's good. But real biblical love is to yield to him with grace for him to do that and, and to obey him with grace as we yield to keep his commandments, to obey him. The Lord says, I want you to have the kind of love in your life that is a doing love, but what I want you to do for me is to obey me. And he says, I'll make that possible in your life. If you'll just yield to me, I will give you grace to do that. Remember, short of that, you're going to fail. And people fail down, fail, they fall down all the time. Short, short of that, we're going to fail. You're going to know him as your Savior. Yield to him. Lord, help me yield to you. And then grace from him to demonstrate love to him through obedience to him. It's brother art. It's all because it's all possible because of Christ. I can't do it apart from him. I couldn't save myself. Could anybody here save yourself? Brother Ed, you're pretty clever. Couldn't you have found a way to save yourself apart from Christ? No. I couldn't save myself. Brother Art, I can't grow myself. <laughs> I can't grow in yieldedness or obedience or love for the Lord or love for each other apart from asking the Lord, yielding to him and asking him to help me do that. Holy Spirit enters into that equation and gives me what I need to yield and to love and to obey. It's all it's all of the Lord, and it all begins with Christ. It all, it's all rooted in him. Lord, help me to value my Savior as the most precious thing. Lord, help me, uh, give me a heart to be yielded to you. Give me grace to be yielded, and as I do, Lord, pour more grace into my life to help me obey you. Are you going to obey him perfectly even then? No. Do you have a heart to? Yes. <laughs> Lord, give us that heart. No, this side of heaven, we're not because the sin nature is still there. Gary, I, I praise God that I got a new nature the moment I was saved, but right now the old nature is still there. And sometimes I, I feed that dog, right? And, and it rises up and, and I yield to it. But that's where I meet the grace that's available to me in Christ all over again. Judas is a faker. He, he's a lost man, and he's a faker. He's got a wrong heart that leads him to uh, wrong actions. Uh, verse 50, Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore out thou, art thou come? Uh, then they came and laid hands on Jesus and, and took him. Jesus asked him a question. Did Jesus not know the answer? 
Did he not know the answer? I've been talking about his omniscience and his omnipresence and his omnipotence. He knew the answer. Do you remember when Adam and Eve uh, sinned and, and fell back in the garden and the Lord came? He began to ask questions, didn't he? Did that mean he didn't know, where are you? Brother Ray mentioned, did he ask that because he didn't know where they were or what they had done? No, he knew. He asked questions to cause them to consider where they were and what they had done, right? They were hiding from the Lord because they, well, they knew. Uh, they were aware of their nakedness also. Uh, by the way, their, their efforts to cover their nakedness themselves is, and it is what? It's the first false what? It's the first false faith. It's the first false religion. They try to cover their, their awareness of their sin by, by, through their own actions. You understand the false faiths of the world today, they are still about that, right? Trying to invent something that I can do to cover my sin. What's the only thing that can cover your sins? Lord Jesus Christ and his blood, that's it. That's it. Back in the garden, the Lord said, where are you? What'd you do? He knew. He wanted them to consider what they had done. Jesus says to Judas, friend, wherefore, uh, wherefore art thou come? Why are you here? Wanted to consider what he had done and what he was about to do. <laughs> Lord, help us. Convict us. Convict us. John 18, you don't need to go there, but in, in John 18, Jesus asks the arrest party some questions also. Whom seek ye? Uh, they said, Jesus. He said, I am he. And he said, whom seek ye? He asked them multiple times, who are you looking for? What are you here for? He knew. He knew perfectly well. He wanted them to consider whom they were seeking and why they had come. They were looking for Jesus who claimed to be the prophesied Messiah. He wanted them to consider that. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Come, come, back, to, uh, come back to our passage. Um, Judas, a wrong heart, a lost heart, leads to wrong actions. His wrong heart led to a profoundly bad choice to sell out the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and then we meet Peter, sort of here in the midst of the arrest, Judas' wrong heart, at least the wrong choice of, of selling out the Lord and leading this arrest party to Jesus. Uh, and then we see the heart of, of Peter. Uh, Zach, it seems to Peter that he has a right heart. His intentions, uh, no doubt, are right to him this morning. Uh, but let's see here, beginning in verse uh, 51. So we've seen Judas, wrong heart, wrong actions. Peter thinks his heart is right and that his actions are going to be right. He thinks that at least. Verse 51, behold, one of them, parallel passages reveal that it's Peter, Simon Peter, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew a sword. Maybe something that he had because it was the Passover and slaying and the meal or uh, sacrifice, we don't know exactly why he might have had a sword, but he drew a sword and struck a servant of the high priest. Parallel passage show us it's Malchus, one of the servants of the high priest, come to arrest Jesus. Peter gets caught up in the moment and draws his sword, and Zach, maybe to cut off his head, I don't know, but he catches him in the ear and cuts off his ear. He smote off uh, his ear. That must have been a scene. Uh, John 18, verse 10 says, Then Simon Peter had a sword, uh, drew it, and smote the high priest's servant, and caught off his right ear. The servant's name was, was Melchizedek. So you compare scripture with scripture, and you get a little more information from the, the, the various gospels, the four gospels. Verse 52, Jesus, uh, look, look at verse 52 with me, please. Then said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword into his place. Put it back in the sheath, man. Uh, for all they that take the sword shall perish uh, with the sword. So, Brother Art, Jesus is always looking for that teachable moment, right? Even now, uh, even in the midst of being arrested and knowing all that he knows about what's going to follow immediately after his arrest, he has this very loving heart to teach his disciples. I think that's extraordinary. Um, just... Lord, give us the same heart to always be looking for 
the opportunity, the, the right sort of teachable moment to, to teach forth the Word of God and, and, and biblical principles. Give us hearts to be doing that, uh, even when we might be least likely to be inclined to do that. Jesus seizes the opportunity, seizes the moment to teach this principle. All they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Of course, uh, there's a warning there against leaning too heavily upon uh, physical violence uh, as Peter had. There's, there's a warning against this and uh, a teaching, hey, uh, whenever you go down that road, there's, there's always the possibility that that violence is going to be turned back upon you. Uh, how many people have carried a gun, and I'm not preaching against that this morning, but uh, gone to use it, had the gun wrestled away from them, and, and it used against it. That, that could happen. So the Lord is uh, teaching this principle here. Gary, I think the idea would be, hey, uh, your, your natural inclination is to sort of lean on violence uh, when it should be what? To lean very heavily upon the Lord, to lean very heavily upon the Lord. This morning uh, in the Sunday school hour, we, we're in Matthew forgive me, Isaiah 22. And uh, as the people, uh, Isaiah pointed out, as people were preparing for invaders, practically uh, working on the walls and redirecting the water that it not be available to the Assyrians, uh, Isaiah reminded them that all of your practical preparations are just that. You need to be prepared spiritually. You need to get back to the Lord, the Lord God of, what did we see this morning? Hosts of armies. <laughs> He'll, and we do that, he'll, he'll turn the armies away sometimes, or he'll smote the armies, as he did in the case of Hezekiah and Assyria, Second Kings, we, we saw that. Uh, all they that take the sword shall, shall perish with the sword. The Lord is, is teaching this, this principle. Um, by the way, did Christ need Peter to defend him? Did the Lord need Peter to defend him? Look at verse 53. Jesus says, Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to the Father, uh, and he shall presently, uh, right here, right he, the word sounds like now, but it actually the underlying word has the idea of here. So it's like here and now, uh, he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels. By the way, that's a lot of angels. Uh, one man writes, a Roman legion of that day was comprised of 6,100 heavy infantry men and 726 cavalrymen. There won't be a quiz on this, uh, I don't think. It will be, uh, it'll be roughly comp comparable to a modern military unit referred to as a division. Uh, Twelve legions may have been the Roman unit, which would be analogous to the modern concept of an entire army. This was a huge, uh, a huge number of, of Roman soldiers. And Jesus is saying, hey, uh, don't you realize, Peter, that you don't need to defend me. I could call upon... Uh, God the Father, you'd send me this innumerable uh, presence of angels to defend me in, in the moment if, if that's something uh, that I need. Brother Art, I wonder, I wonder if we've stopped and, and thought about why the Lord has inscripturated uh, Peter's action and the Lord's response to it. You ever stop and, and, and think about that? Uh, Lord, I wonder why you've recorded and preserved these two verses. We know that the Lord said and did much more than has been in Scripture because the Bible says that, right? But we know the Holy Spirit had this part of the arrest, the events of the arrest, to be captured down and, and to be supernaturally preserved for us. Why do you suppose that is? Uh, I, would, I would suggest this morning the Lord has a reason for that. Amen. It has value for us. He has a reason for it. Uh, it has value for us. I'd like to like offer you a couple, uh, several possibilities this morning. I wonder this morning, and this is just me wondering, okay? I wonder this morning if one of the reasons is that the Lord wants us to be reminded that if we're not careful, we, 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 are, we, we are tempted to forget just how powerful he is. Do you think? Uh, what, what Peter acted, number one, he, he did act impulsively, didn't he? So that, that's one thing. We'll come back to that in a moment. But um, putting that aside, uh, did, do you think maybe he forgot that the Lord does not have to be defended? Do you think he forgot just for a moment that the Lord Jesus Christ is, is omnipotent? He's absolutely powerful. He can accomplish anything that he chooses to accomplish 
including his own self-defense. Do we forget sometimes how powerful the Lord Jesus Christ really is? Do we? Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Matthew 28, 18, just make a couple notes of references, please do that. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power uh, is given unto me in heaven and in earth. I know the word power there can be understood as authority. Then he goes on and gives the, the great commission. All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. In 2 Thessalonians 1 and verse 9, Paul is writing to the church members at Thessalonica, and he refers to the glory of of the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, the glory of his power. He has an absolute power and a power that is absolutely glorious. I think it's beyond our comprehension, quite frankly. He's powerful. Uh, in 1 Timothy 6 and verse 15, uh, Paul is writing to young Pastor Timothy, right? Writing of Christ, and, and he says, which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who only, he alone hath immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. And he says, amen, uh, amen. The Lord Jesus Christ has honor and power everlasting. He has a glorious power. Brother Ray Metric, his power is absolutely unlimited. It's hard for us to get our minds wrapped around that. Uh, it's difficult for us to comprehend that. So sometimes I think we, you ever do this, when you, when you can't kind of get your mind around something, you sort of minimize it. Uh, you can't quite get your mind around something, and so you, that's discomforting. So you kind of minimize it uh, in your mind. Oh, it's not that big of a deal. Just minimize it. Don't do that with the Lord. Amen? Stand guard against that temptation. You, you can't really comprehend how he could have unlimited power, but he does. Uh, he spoke the world into existence. He, he has that kind of power. Lord, help us to never forget that. Brother Art, do we sometimes not pray big prayers? Uh, not because we don't have the faith, but maybe because we doubt God's power to answer the prayer. Sometimes it's an issue of faith. Sometimes it's just we're not sure. We don't really know or believe or understand the power of God to answer any prayer, no matter what it is. Have you ever prayed a big prayer, uh, knowing that it would take a powerful God to answer that prayer? And then he answered it. Church? Yeah? If, if not, pray some big prayers. <laughs> Amen? Pray some big prayers. Give God a chance to show himself to you. Uh, uh, maybe, maybe it's just that you need to choose to see that. But, but if, if you're not sure, pray some big prayers according to God's will and, and give him a chance to show uh, himself. I think, I think the Lord has inscripturated these verses in part because... We just forget. Maybe in the moment, Peter forgot just how powerful uh, Christ is. And so he stepped in to defend, to defend his Savior. Um, I'll say this again this morning. I've already said this. But, but secondly, um, I do think there's, there's the idea here that sometimes, by the way, is, is Peter, did Peter think, do you think that Peter thought he was acting with the right heart in that moment? I do. Do you think that? I, I agree. <laughs> if you disagree, it's okay. Um, I believe that Peter felt that he was acting with, with the right heart. Hey, you're, you're going to take away the Lord? You're going to take away Jesus? Uh, I'm not going to allow that. Draws a sword, maybe going for the head, catches the ear. In, in the moment, he probably thought, hey, I'm, I'm doing the right thing. I'm defending my Lord. Forgetting how powerful the Lord is to do that for himself. But, but again, I, I think this brings out the idea that sometimes what seems like a right heart that compels right action, what seems like a right heart that seems to us leads to right action is actually wrong. Because as I said in the opening this morning, we don't always take care to allow our hearts to be informed by God's word. 
if Peter had been thinking about how powerful Christ is, uh, as he saw, but also as has been revealed by God's words, if, if Peter had been thinking about the words that Christ spoke about the cross and his death and his burial and his resurrection, uh, would he have been as inclined to prevent the Lord's arrest? Did Jesus prophesy his death, burial, and resurrection to his disciples? He did, right? And did they have the Old Testament where all that was prophesied also? Yes, they did. They did. I understand they didn't have all the New Testament. They're living it, right? Um, they, had, they had the words of Christ. They had the prophecy of the prophets, which have helped them to recognize the Messiah. And, and they know from Isaiah 53 and Psalm 22 and various places in Zechariah and different places that, that he's come to go to the cross to suffer for our sins and, and that he'd be raised again, as, as he said. But Peter acts impulsively, yes, forgetting the word of God, forgetting the power of God. He acts impulsively, forgetting to inform his heart and his actions by his knowledge of the word of God. Do we ever do that? Do we ever do that? If he had been mindful of why Christ came, that he would be arrested and tried and, and die on a cross, if he was mindful of what had been revealed through the mouth of Christ uh, and, and the words of the prophets, would he have been as inclined to defend Christ the way he, he did? I, I would argue not. He would have simply acknowledged, hey, this is why he's here. This is why maybe I can help him, but I, I'm not going to prevent this next step down the road toward the cross because this is why the Lord is here. This is why he came. Lord, help us to be people of your words, people who live in your words so that you can inform our hearts correct our hearts and guide our hearts through your words and that our actions would be guided and corrected by you and your words. Verse 54, Jesus says, how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? You're going to prevent me from being arrested. How are the scriptures going to be fulfilled? You've forgotten about the scriptures. Maybe forgot how powerful the Lord is to defend himself if he chose to. Maybe acted impulsively. By the way, if you struggle with impulsiveness, would anyone say that? Sometimes I'm more impulsive than I should be. I make snap decisions about what to do, and then I just do it. And I get a little bit down that road, and then I realize, oh, that was the wrong decision. You know what I mean? <laughs> you struggle with impulsiveness... Gary, you'll like this. I would offer this morning that yieldedness to the Spirit of God is the answer to that. Amen. Struggle with impulsiveness. Remember, the Lord's called us to prayerfulness. Major decisions should be bathed in prayer. You ever pray about a major decision and you as you're praying, the Lord brings some scripture to mind or scriptural principles start flowing into your mind. Sometimes you pray for that, but sometimes the Lord just does that, right? And you, okay, Lord, I, I get it. I should do this, not this, this, or this. Prayerfulness, yieldedness to the Spirit of God. When you yield the Spirit of God, he, you're yielding control. Is that scary at all? Is that ever scary? You say you're yielding the Spirit of God, you're, you're yielding control to the Spirit of God. Hmm. It shouldn't be scary if you understand who he is and what he's like. He loves us. He loves us. He's perfectly holy. He's perfectly righteous, gracious, merciful, truthful, powerful. He loves us. You yield to the Spirit of God and in his control in your life. That's it couldn't be better than that. Amen. Um, sorry. 
Lord, help us. If we struggle with impulsiveness, just be yielded to you and, and controlled by you. Remind us, burden us, uh, cause us to be prayerful and to consider your words, our decisions being informed by your words, but, but controlled by you. Peter act, clearly acts impulsively, not being yielded, not being reminded of the power of the Lord. By the way, not being prayerful, which we saw before leading up to this, not praying the way he should have. Not allowing his heart to be informed by the word of God and his actions to be guided by that. How then shall the scriptures be fulfilled uh, that thus it must be? He knew Isaiah 53. He knew Psalm 22. He knew Daniel 9. Add Zechariah 12 and verse 10 to your list. What he may not have understood, but should have, is that the heart is deceitful above all things and, and desperately wicked. Why did I say should have? Because that's Jeremiah. Did Peter have Jeremiah? He did. He did. It's Old Testament. And he should have understood that, hey, I, I, need, to, I need to inform my heart with the words that Christ has spoken and the words of the prophets that have been inscripturated so that my heart will be conformed to the word of God and that my actions will be conformed to the heart, which is conformed to the word of God. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Pastor, is your heart deceitful above all things and desperately wicked? That's what the Bible says. That's not my desire, Brother Art, but I need to know who I am. And I need to know God's answer to that. It's his words. It's yieldedness to him. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to inform my heart through his words and to have control in my life as I do that. Jesus continues to address his arresters in verse 55, asking questions. Verse 56, he says, but all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled, just exactly as he said. They'd be offended. They said, no, nah, Lord, not us. Well, he knew, he knew. And they forsook him and he fled. Brother Art, he loved us enough to continue down that road despite the fact that he knew ahead of time that that would be the case. Judas had a wrong heart that led to wrong actions. He's lost man with the wrong heart, led to wrong choices. He did not value the Lord. Lord, help us to value you. Help us to view you as the most precious thing in our life. Lord, help us to be genuinely yielded to you. Whenever we say Lord, to be reminded, that means submission to one who is my Lord. Lord, help me to look to you for grace to do just that. That is not our natural inclination. It requires supernatural grace. Judas's love was false. It was counterfeit. Lord, help us to love you. Lord, help me yield to your spirit that you bring forth love, a fruit of the spirit that I can demonstrate to my brothers and sisters in Christ, but Lord, perhaps even more importantly, demonstrate that love to you as well. Uh, Peter thought he had a right heart, but it led to wrong actions because his heart was not informed by God's words. Lord, help me to have a heart for your word, to soak it up with the yieldedness that my heart and my actions would be informed by your words for your honor and your glory. Does that sound right? Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you, Lord, this morning for your words. Lord, thank you for their power. You've said they're quick, they're alive, they're powerful. Thank you so much. Father, give us a heart for your words. Lord, help us to get a hold and, and keep a hold of the truth about our natural hearts and the truth about your words. 
Lord, I understand this morning the world says follow your heart. Your word says to follow you and your words. Lord, give us grace to do just that. Father, perhaps this morning we've been convicted that at times we've been inclined to follow our hearts rather than your words. Lord, I pray this morning if that's the conviction you've laid upon our hearts that you give us grace to simply confess that, to agree with you, and to ask you for grace, for strength, to take up your words that our hearts might be taught by you, by thy spirit, through thy words. I'll give you a moment to pray, church. Lord, I thank you this morning that it's possible to be right in your eyes because of the cross. Lord, I thank you that it's possible to know this morning what is true in your eyes because of your words. Lord, I thank you this morning that there's grace available to us to take up your words and to have your spirit apply them to our hearts because of the cross, because of our Savior. Lord, teach us to value our Savior, his blood, and our salvation, the most precious thing we have. Father, I thank you this morning for our church, for each one who's here today. Thank you for visitors, Lord. I pray that they've been welcomed and blessed this morning. I pray, Father, that you help us to keep in mind those things that we've seen today. Lord, I love you. I thank you. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may look up here. Uh, tonight at 6, Brother Ray, can you just bring that down, please? It's ringing. Thank you, sir. Uh, tonight at 6, I encourage you to be back. We plan to be uh, in Psalm uh, 33. thought we'd put that in here. Uh, yeah, Psalm 33 tonight. Um, tonight at 6. Uh, Wednesday night, we'll be back in 1 Kings. I encourage you to be here if you possibly can. Uh, do keep an eye on the church calendar, the various announcements in the bulletin. Also, there's a lot of good stuff uh, coming up. Uh, we will have a fellowship meal the first Sunday in April, so there'll be a sign-up sheet for that. There's not one yet, right? Mrs. Hammond, not yet, but there will be. Sign up to come. If you want to bring food, sign up, sign up for that as well. Uh, and then later in April, uh, the last Sunday will be our 65th anniversary Sunday, so we'll have a, a fellowship meal after the service that day as well. And other meetings coming up, we'll, we'll keep you uh, apprised of those things. So please do uh, also uh, keep the remodeling work in prayer, the construction effort. Uh, pray for Vitaly and Andrew and uh, just the guys that are working on it. It's a lot of work. Pray for safety. Uh, pray for strength, and uh, just pray that um, all the contractors who will be coming in over the next, well, this coming week and the following week, that they'll work well together, Brother Art. <laughs> so uh, we just praise God for the work that's been completed and, and pray that it'll, it'll progress smoothly. Uh, it'll be completed uh, on the Lord's timeline, amen, but we're, we're working aggressively to get it done as quickly as possible. Um, okay, Zach, you come, please. Lead us in a closing song. You pray for us as well, please. All right, let's uh, stand as we turn to number 644. Standing as we turn to 644, there you'll find springs of living water. We'll sing the first and the last. I thirsted in the barren land of sin and shame, and nothing satisfying there I found. But to the blessed cross of Christ one day I came, 
where springs of living water did abound. Drinking at the springs of living water, happy now am I, my soul they satisfy. Drinking at the springs of living water, wonderful and bountiful supply. And the last, oh sinner, won't you come today to Calvary? A fountain there is flowing deep and wide. The Savior now invites you to the water free, where thirsting spirits can be satisfied. Drinking at the springs of living water, happy now am I, my soul they satisfy. Drinking at the springs of living water, oh wonderful and bountiful supply. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be here this morning. We pray you'd bring us back safely this evening. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <laughs>